0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the 21st day of January 2021. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake up call here on Sports Country Radio, a day after the United States took I, I what I characterize as a sigh of relief. Now, those of you who are Donald Trump supporters are probably saying, screw you, pal, uh, and don't forget, you know this is a, this is a guy who was a registered Republican talking. I took a huge sigh of relief yesterday with the start of the Biden administration. Uh, we need to we need uh, this country to uh, get some civility back. It was interesting yesterday, they were showing a thing uh, with Joe Biden uh, where he was uh, talking to a bunch of his new employees that are going to be working for the federal government. He had him up on screens like on a zoom call and you know looked to be a couple of hundred people. And he said to them, Uh, If I see or hear of anyone talking uh, down to any other of your employees or you're disrespectful, you will be fired on the spot. Good start. It's a good start. And he obviously uh, signed some executive orders yesterday trying to start dismantling some of the things that Donald Trump did in his four years of office. And, look, you know, the divide is not going to end overnight. Uh, I saw yesterday, and this really piss me off i saw this yesterday morning while the inauguration is going on i was scrolling through my twitter feed and some putts actually had up there uh there was a tweet that he put out and it was a graphic and it showed like 10 pictures and it said joe biden you know uh, 10 of his major appointments are all jewish who cares you know, I mean, we're making a, now be one of these right wing nuts. It didn't take them long. We get on social media and we're already pointing out and, and Joe Biden is going to let the Jews take over the country. That's what they said. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I immediately reported the tweet. You know, a bunch of other people had uh, had engaged with this idiot. And, you know, but this is this is the kind of stuff that Donald Trump spawned and he that that it's OK. Look. You know, I don't care whether they're Jewish. I don't care whether they're Muslim. I don't care whether they're purple or green or polka dotted. If we can get back to doing the business business of this country and taking care of our people and doing things the American way and the way it's always been done, and let's try to, you know, some bipartisanship would be nice. If we can do that, I don't care what religion, what color, what I, what your social orient, sexual orientation is I don't care. I don't care. What I care about is rinsing out our mouths, our collective mouths of the uh, the vomit that has been uh, infecting us for the last four years. You know And uh, you know I'm sorry folks, even if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you, you cannot deny that what has gone on in this country in the last four years has not been good. You know, I have relatives that are huge Donald Trump supporters, you know, and, and they, they'll probably, they would probably argue with me, and which is why I won't ever engage with them about politics uh, because there's just no sense. But what's, what we've seen the last four years has been awful. So it was great, and my wife and I, I took the morning off yesterday so I could watch the inauguration and just kind of concentrate on that and just kind of – my wife, you know, we're watching the inauguration yesterday, and my wife actually – Teared up. Uh, she teared up before the inauguration ever happened. She teared up when uh, Lady Gaga was singing the na- national anthem. I mean, it, that's what we've come to is that uh, there are so many Americans and so many of my friends that, that uh, you know, supported uh, the change in administration all felt the same way. There, are, She wasn't the only person that I saw uh, that said that they were in tears yesterday. I mean, I wasn't in tears, but I know I felt I, I felt a sense of relief, and I I, I don't think I'm the only one. Um, so, uh, you know, now we get down to business and now we see again, at the end of the day, whether you agree with the policies, all the policies of the democratic administration or not, what I want to see is I want to start seeing Republicans and Democrats working together. And frankly, they're, you know, we're going to have to, you know, the Republicans don't have the majority anymore. And so if stuff's going to get done, it's going to have to be bipartisan because even with the Democrats, all they need is one person to jump ship in the Senate and they're screwed. You know, I mean, they need to this needs to be, you know, we need to work together. So let's hope that that we're on that path. Let's hope. All right. So that is my uh, my feel good portion of the show because I feel good about that. But I'm also I'm also an angry man this morning. Why? Because I watched yesterday afternoon the news come down that the Toronto Blue Jays signed George Springer to a six-year, $150 million deal. George Springer, the kid who grew up a Red Sox fan, who's from New Britain, Connecticut, wanted to play closer to home. I mean, Toronto's closer than Houston, but Boston would have been even closer. But having said that, it's not necessarily that Springer signed this contract. And look, it, it makes the Blue Jays... Better. There's no question about that. You put him in the middle of that lineup, you know, with uh, with Vlad Jr. and and uh, Bo Bichette. I mean, this is going to be a dangerous Toronto. This, you know, the the only thing that Toronto is lacking, and they they've signed a little bit of pitching, but if they get any pitching, you know, they could they'll be they'll be ahead of the Red Sox in the standings again this year. They will be the only bright side yesterday, because originally when the thing came down about Springer word came down that they were minutes away from signing Michael Brantley away from the Houston Astros. And so they would in one fell swoop, they'd be adding Brantley and Springer to that team. I was almost apoplectic. Now to come to find out, that Brantley ends up signing at the last minute. He re-signed with the Houston Astros because the Astros, I'm sure, had to up their their game very quickly because they were looking at the possibility of losing two-thirds of their outfield. You know, they had already lost Springer. If they lose Brantley, then, then where are you going? I mean, they had Kyle Tucker, the young kid that uh, played last year, and they're going to stick him in right field this year. But now, all of a sudden, they'd be looking for a left fielder and a center fielder. So they end up uh, re signing Brantley. And that's a look, that's a great signing. I mean, Michael Brantley is one of the most, in my in my mind, one of the most underrated players in baseball. This is a guy who over the last couple of years has hit three oh nine. He's averaged three oh nine in the last two years. You know, in that a wreck of a year last year he hit 3 home run I mean 300 with 5 home runs and 15 doubles in 46 games 840 OPS his OPS over the last 2 years is like 870 so i mean i was relieved when i found out that they didn't get him as well cuz then i'm thinking you know good lord but that begs the question what in the hell is Boston doing? And there are many of us. I was one of them that was mightily concerned, mightily concerned when Heim Blum was hired as the general manager or the director of baseball operations, whatever the hell he is, whatever the hell his title is of the Red Sox, because of where he came from, where he cut his teeth and, operating under that model in Tampa for so many years had me scared to death. And folks, I'm still scared to death. Uh, Sam Kennedy, the Red Sox president, had a press conference yesterday and was challenged about some of this stuff. And he actually came out and admitted that the Red Sox are not all in this year. So if you're a Red Sox fan, your team president and CEO Sam Kennedy has said, we're not trying to win the World Series this year. Awesome. They better hope they don't have to have fans at Fenway Park this year because that's going to get ugly. I mean, we had to put up with that crap that we put up with last year. Look, the 60-game season aside, it wasn't even that. It was the parade of tomato cans That the Red Sox ran out on the pitching uh, mound and in the field half the time, time after time after time. We had to put up with that all last year. I, you know, I don't. Can you imagine having to watch what we watched last year for 162 games? Kill me. They had 12 starting pitchers they used last year in 60 games. 12. And what have they done to address that this year? Oh, let me answer that for you. Nothing. Matt Andrese. Oh. Matt Andrese who hasn't been a starter in a while and is a is a is a middling uh relief pitcher that they could, you know, they could stretch out and put him back into the starting rotation. And Martin Perez, one of the tomato cans they ran out there last year. That's our answer. Now, I'm okay with Martin Perez. If he's our number 5 starter, I'm fine with that. You know, And I know Chris Saylor you know, is going to be back probably in July. But you've got Nate Evaldi, who is you know, a sneeze away from the disabled list every time he goes out on the mound. You've got Erod, who you have no idea what you're going to get from. He had to take last year off because of the myocarditis from COVID-19. We don't know whether he's going to be an effective pitcher this year. We have no clue. So we are going to have another mess on our hands. They chose to let Jackie Bradley walk in free agency instead of trying to sign him to an extension. So right now, we don't have a center fielder. Now, you could say, all right, Alex Verdugo is our center fielder. All right, well, then we don't have a right fielder. We don't even really have a left fielder either. I mean, you know, what? uh, we've got the Yankees out there Signing all kinds of players, you know, the signing Corey Kluber, who was there for the Red Sox for the taking. They re-signed D.J. LeMayhew. We get Hunter Renfro to play left field. Oh, pardon me if I don't get excited about that one. And Matt Andres. That's what the Red Sox have done. And the Red Sox, by the way, are looking to trade Andrew Benintendi, who is our left fielder or should be but he's making too much money. He's going to make six and a half million dollars. So the Red Sox suddenly, you know, the, the uh, bargain basement shoppers are going to trade Andrew Benintendi to get a couple of prospects that are cheaper. That's what we're doing. The Red Sox are operating like they're a mid market team. Now, Sam Kennedy yesterday said, Oh no, 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 I don't, I don't agree with that. He says, my guess is we'll have a payroll somewhere in the top echelon of baseball. Really? Well, yeah. Why? Well, because you're giving Chris sale, a crap ton of money. You're giving Nate Evaldi a crap ton of money. Guys that were signed by Dave Dombrowski. You know, you've got some, you know, you traded Mookie bets for God's sake. You know, and that's the thing. You're testing the Red Sox patience. Look, we, we get it. You know, you felt like you had to move on from Mookie. You didn't want to pay him 30-something million dollars a year. All right, fine. You got Alex Verdugo back. Look, I like Alex Verdugo. I think he's going to be a fine player. And then you got a bunch of prospects back. They're prospects, folks. We don't know that they're going to turn into anything. And, you know, Sam Kennedy yesterday talked about we have to rebuild our farm system. Excuse me. We paid the price for, you know, for our our 2018 championship, you know, and that's, you know, that's why things are a mess right now. So we have to rebuild this team. You know, we, we think we can be competitive, but we have to build this for the longer term. So essentially what he said is, you know, look, Red Sox fans, uh, you know, we've been all in and, you know, we won you some championships, but don't plan on another one anytime soon. Right. We've had one of the best, one of the top four payrolls in each of the last 10 seasons. And yet now all of a sudden we're going to be, you know, Somewhere between uh, Tampa and Boston, you know, but we're never going to go to as low as Tampa. I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to get out, I'm not going to get carried away here and say that Heim Bloom's going to turn us into Tampa because that that's not going to fly in Boston. But look, and there are still plenty of free agents out there. You know, this is one of the things that, that is frustrating and it's frustrated everybody. And Sam Kennedy acknowledged this yesterday. He said, look, it's been a slow offseason. You know, I think I saw a figure, and I can't remember where I saw it, but only like 21 of the 118 free agents that are out there have signed. This doesn't, you know, we're not talking about trades like all the stuff that the Padres have done. There, There have been damn few free agent signings. So, you know, there are still people out there. But my concern is, is that is Boston going to pull the trick? Look, we've still got a hole in center field. D- to me, and now, by the way, now that Houston has definitely lost George Springer, and Houston has made no bones about the fact that they are interested in Jackie Bradley Jr., now the Red Sox are probably going to find themselves competing with the Houston Astros for Jackie Bradley Jr. services. You probably could have locked him up for a number of years if you had done it the right way, but now you're going to be in a bidding war. But he's still out there. You know what? I'd be okay if they brought him back. They have a huge hole at second base. Christian Arroyo, the guy that they – one of the tomato cans they threw out there last year, is he our answer at second base because it seems like that's what the Red Sox are telling us. Now, there are a couple of guys out there that could play that position that are still available. Colton Wong's out there. I would love to have Colton Wong on this team or Marcus Semien, I would love to have either one of those guys. Plug those guys into second base in a heartbeat. Sox fans are feeling a little bit better. Jake Odorizzi is still out there. Masahiro Tanaka is still out there. Look, neither one of those guys, to me, moves the needle in the, like, overjoyed category, but if you could take a Masahiro Tanaka or a de Odorizzi and put them in your 3-4 slot in that rotation, this team is better. Well, at what point are we going to do something? Look, there is a great core on this team with Bogarts, Endeavors, and Verdugo. Christian Vasquez, although I'm still not a huge, I think Christian Vasquez is a little overrated. He's been his bat's been a lot better, uh, but he's I think he's overrated. People think he's this this uh, uh, great defensive catcher. I would say he's an average catcher. That's just my opinion, but. Still, with the dearth of catching in Major League Baseball, you got to count him as one of your your blue-chip guys. All right? And, you know, J.D. Martinez is still there. Now, J.D. Is, has struggled. But J.D. Martinez, unless he has completely lost it, unless he has pulled a Jim Rice on us, remember how great Jim Rice was? And, you know, Jim's – and I, I was a huge Jim Rice fan. You know, anytime I played any kind of organized baseball or softball my entire life, I always wore number 14 because Jim Rice – was a, a guy I used to love to watch play uh, in my, my teenage years when he was coming up. and uh, But remember the fall-off he had? He went from being an MVP to out of baseball in about three years. You know, it was kind of sad. Um, I hope that that's not what's happening to Jada Martinez. But So you've got a core there of five guys in that lineup. And if they can fix Raphael Devers' defensive problems, this team can be competitive. Can they catch the Yankees with this lineup? No. But if you add Colton Wong at second base or Marcus Semien at second base. And you bring back Jackie Bradley Jr. Because right now, I don't know that there's another center fielder out there. They're really, you know, the center field free agent options are not that great. There was room, there were rumors that the Red Sox were talking to uh, Jake Marisnik's people. Look, I was, I've been a fan of Jake Marisnik. He's a great defensive center fielder. Great defensive center fielder. But he can't stay healthy. You know, he was a guy that was a role player for the Astros. He went to the Mets, you know, and, and got hurt with the Mets again. When he's been in the lineup and he can stay healthy, he can be a very, very good weapon, but he can't stay healthy. And I'm not sure Jake Marisnik is anything ever going to be anything more um, than a good fourth or fifth outfielder. So, you know, there's not a lot out there that gets me excited about the outfield. But if you can bring back Jackie Bradley and you keep Andrew Benintendi and assume that what happened last year and the falloff that he had the previous year is just a bump in the road and that he's still a young kid and, and assume that we can get him back to where he's supposed to be. Again, this team now suddenly goes from being at the bottom of the American League East to at least... A second place team and a wild card team in the playoffs. You know they're going to have to work like hell to stay ahead of Toronto. I think they can stay ahead of Tampa. I think the moves that Tampa has made, letting Blake Snell go and some of the other guys that that, that they've moved, and and uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be as competitive. Although every time I say that, every time you look at that Tampa roster, you think they're not going to be competitive. They find a way. But I think the Red Sox, if they make some other moves. But they've got to do something. I can't take it. And I was reading, um, uh, there's a blog that I like reading. Um, it's called Sox Outsider. Matthew Corey, a guy who lives in uh, Washington State, writes it. Really great writer. Um, and he talked about, uh, he compared what's going on here to the uh, looking at the Bobby Valentine days in Boston. Remember that that train wreck. Right back in uh, what was it, 2012? You know, a team that uh, by the end of the what they win, 69 games that year. By the end of the season, uh, they had traded away everybody. You know, now it set the stage for what happened after that, and the Red Sox, you know, w- as we know, took off and won a couple more championships after that. But you know, this team has the potential if they don't do something. This team has the potential. Uh, to be just as bad as last year. You know, we're supposed to be excited about the idea that their number one prospect, Jared Duran, might make his major league debut this year. And, again, Duran's a a guy that, uh, uh, you know, great defensive player, got a lot of speed, not a great hitter. He has struggled. Now he's made some adjustments supposedly. and But we're supposed to be excited because a guy who's 24 years old that was a seventh-round draft pick um, – uh, is supposed to be the guy that we're supposed to be excited about. You know, by the way, you know, he's their top he's their top uh prospect in the minors. He's not even in like the top I don't even think he's in the top 50 of major league baseball prospects. You know, so but this is what we're supposed to be excited about. And and while we're talking about, you know, uh moves being made, he, the Minnesota Twins made a move. Yesterday they signed Jay Happ. Now, I didn't want Jay Happ on our team. But he signed a one-year, $8 million contract. I think Hap's days are best days are long behind him. He's 38 years old. Uh, he was uh, cannon fodder the last couple years as a member of the New York Yankees. You know, Now, look, after they acquired him in 2018, he was great for the Yankees. Went 7-0 and in 11 starts uh, down the stretch that year. But he was not very good in 2019 um he was 12 and eight but his era was was rough um and last year he I, he wasn't great either you know he's a guy with a career era of four now is he, is he better than Matt Andres is he better than Martin Perez? yeah so you know I didn't necessarily want him on the team but at least it would have been doing something looks like everybody's doing something except the Boston Red Sox and it's frustrating. Uh, One other quick baseball note before we move on. I'm sure you saw this yesterday. It was uh, sad. Don Sutton passed away, a guy I watched uh, all through my youth. I mean, Don Sutton pitched for uh, the Dodgers for a long time. He pitched in Major League Baseball for a long time. Um, Came up uh, with the Dodgers. He pitched at the same time Sandy Colfax did. And he pitched all the way through when Fernando Valenzuela pitched for the Dodgers. I mean, that's how long this guy pitched. He retired, what, I think in 1988? Uh, but another Hall of Famer uh, we lose. This is a guy that won 324 games in his career, had a career ERA of 3.26. He pitched for five teams, started with the Dodgers, finished with the Dodgers his last year. But the most amazing thing about Don Sutton, never went to the disabled list in his 23-year career. Think about that. He made 756 starts, never missed a turn, ever. There's only two people in Major League Baseball that made more starts in their career than Don Sutton. Nolan Ryan and Cy Young. That's it. Uh, He was amazing. He's third all-time in games started, seventh in innings pitched. Uh, He worked 200 innings in 20 of his first 21 seasons. The only thing that stopped that streak, by the way, the 1981 season when it was uh, the strike year. Uh so uh, and and not only that class guy classy guy uh, he was a longtime broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves uh, fought cancer for a while died in his sleep um at the age of uh, 75 on a Tuesday and uh so since September we've lost uh, three guys in the Hall of Fame that had 300 wins and 3000 strikeouts Don Sutton um Phil Nicrow and uh, Tom Seaver so it was it's been uh, it's been a tough year for Hall of Famers uh, but uh, rest in peace, Don Sutton. It's 31 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, so Phillip Rivers, uh, the Indianapolis Colts quarterback, announced his retirement yesterday. Um, not a huge surprise. There had been some talk that he was going to retire. Now, the Colts had made it clear they wanted him to come back, uh, but Rivers has decided that uh, he has had enough, so his uh, 17-year NFL career is over at the age of 39. And, of course, the immediate thing that comes to everybody's mind is, is Phillip Rivers going to be a Hall of Famer? And on the face of it, I mean, if you look at what he's done in his career, the numbers would tell you that, you know, maybe he should be. He is uh, won 134 games, which is eighth all time. But, he, you know, and uh, he finished fifth in career completions, fifth in yards passing, uh, fifth in career touchdown passes. You know, you look at those numbers and you say, well, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, except that there are damn few people, damn few quarterbacks in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that haven't won a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there's some from the early era that uh, there was no Super Bowl. But think about this. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. There is only one other quarterback, I think, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who has not won a Super Bowl. I think if I'm, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. And if anybody, anybody can uh, can correct me, I'm I'm willing to listen. I think Dan Fouts, former San Diego Charger quarterback, is the only guy in the Pro Football Hall of Fame without a Super Bowl ring. I'm pretty sure. You know, and here's the other thing with Rivers. You know, one of the things you can point to with Fouts is Fouts was, during his career, was year in, year out, was one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, he did uh, some amazing things. Of course, he played for Don Coryell, Air Corriel and, you know, they were throwing the ball all over the place, and uh, they were a lot of fun to watch. But Phillip Rivers never won an MVP He's never really been the best quarterback in the NFL. He probably hasn't even been one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL in his entire career because when you think about his career, he was playing at the same time Tom Brady was. He was playing at the same time that Brett Favre was, that uh, Aaron Rodgers was, that Drew Brees was. I mean, there were so many other quarterbacks in the NFL that were better than him. Now, he made eight Pro Bowls, you know, and this last year, I mean, he had the second-highest completion percentage of his career. He completed 68% of his passes, led the team to an 11-5 and record, made the playoffs. Um, So, you know, you look at the numbers and you say, yeah, Hall of Famer. But I, I wonder if he'll make it. I wonder. You know, and think about this. He replaced – Drew Brees in San Diego. Uh, Phillip Rivers was the guy that was drafted by the Giants and got traded to the Chargers because that was, and this is why I will hate Eli Manning to the day that I die because I was a Charger fan at the time. Eli Manning said that if the Chargers drafted him, he would not play. He would sit out. And so the Chargers were forced to draft him and then trade him to the Giants. And they got Phillip Rivers back. And that was because that was the the move that was forced by Eli Manning. So I I hate Eli Manning. And, and, you know, just the same way I hated J.D. Drew, when J.D. Drew, uh, you know, said, uh, you know, if I get drafted by the Phillies, I'm not playing. You know, I mean that is the you know I people that want to manipulate the system and want to think they are better than the system piss me off. So anyway, uh, that's an aside because Philip Rivers didn't do that. He but he was caught up in that whole that whole mess. But the numbers say yeah, Hall of Famer. I just don't th- I just don't know if he will get in. I think he should. I think he should. I mean, if you look at you know if you look at the body of work, you know. And he wasn't the prettiest quarterback to watch. He had an unorthodox delivery, and you know, I just, I, I, you know, but, but I think the numbers tell us that he should. I just don't know. I think that the 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 whole Super Bowl thing may hold him back. Now, I just referenced Drew Brees, and of course, there's speculation that Drew Brees is going to retire. Drew Brees is three years older than Rivers. He's 42 years old, and uh, we know this about the uh, the broken ribs that he suffered this year. But news came out yesterday, and this was leaked by his wife. i do not sure how much his wife or how much Drew appreciated his wife doing this, or actually how much the Saints appreciated this, because uh, his wife Brittany on Instagram yesterday talked about, you know, the rib and the lung injury that he suffered in that hit. Everybody knew about that. Well, according to Brittany, he also played with a torn rotator cuff and a torn fascia in his foot. Those injuries were never disclosed by the new Orleans saints all year. So, and, and you know, when we had that, when we have Dan Sampano on, we talk about that, you know, we talk about breeze a lot and about how breeze hasn't, didn't look his age. He looked like a guy who was ready to hang it up. Now, as we know, he was good enough to get the saints, you know, to the, uh, to the playoffs. And, uh, you know so we know that that the skills hadn't diminished that much but he wasn't throwing the ball down the field very far you know we he wasn't he just he was a lot of dink and dunk stuff it's stuff that we weren't used to seeing him doing well now that may explain it if he has a torn rotator cuff it makes it kind of hard to throw the football deep and a torn fascia which is the connective tissue in your foot that makes it kind of difficult to run you know uh so <laughs> You could not blame him if he decided to retire after that. You also could understand if he decided that, you know what, I don't want to go out like that. I'd like to try to play, you know, a final healthy season and see what I could do if I was healthy. Now, not many quarterbacks play, obviously, at that age. He and Brady are just, you know, freaks of nature. But I think he's going to retire. I mean, if you're Drew Brees, 11 broken ribs, a collapsed lung, a torn rotator cuff, and a bad foot. And you've played on that for an entire year? Um, yeah, I think he's going to hang it up. But I just think it's funny uh, that his wife outed him. I, mean, I shouldn't say outed him. That's that's probably the probably not the way. But his wife disclosed the injuries. The Saints didn't. Now, her Instagram account is now private. I don't know if it was private before, but it is now because I think uh, uh, people were not happy uh, in the Saints organization that, that got out, and maybe the Saints had been hiding his injuries all year. Uh, so anyway, uh, but I, 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 think, uh, I think he's probably had it. Um, don't forget, we'll have Dan Zapano on tomorrow, 9.30, with uh, the look at the AFC and NFC championship games. Get his take on that, uh, so you won't want to miss that. Uh, other football news, the Detroit Lions yesterday made it official. Uh, they signed the New Orleans Saints tight ends coach Dan Campbell as their new head coach. Uh, we knew that was going to happen, so that wasn't a surprise. What was a surprise is that the deal is for six years. Now, uh, that is a long time for a guy that doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. He does have some, he was the interim coach. Of the Miami Dolphins back in 2015, they went five and seven. Now he's been a assistant coach in the NFL for 11 years. Um, he also has the title of assistant head coach with the Saints. I don't know, you know, whether that helps or not, but uh, and he played in the league for 11 years, so he knows the NFL. But that is a long contract for a franchise um, that has been bad for a long, long time. Now they just. Uh, hired a new general manager in Brad Holmes, and by the way, congratulations! He, he's one of just four black general managers in the NFL. Um, but uh, and a lot of people thought because they were hiring a black general manager, they'd hire a black head coach. And I, by the way, I'm surprised there's still a couple of openings out there. And um, Eric Bieniemy. Um, who is a assistant coach with the Kansas City Chiefs has been getting some interviews, but he has not been hired yet. And if you talk to Andy Reid, if you've uh, paid attention at all, Andy Reid said that Eric Bieniemy is the kind of guy that he would want his kid to play for. Um, so it sounds like that uh, you know there's some teams that are missing out on an opportunity. There's still a couple of opportunities. Houston job is still open. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, but that's a long contract for Detroit to hand out to Dan Campbell. And Campbell's 44 years old. By the way, you look at his headshot. If if there is a uh, – if you look up football player in the dictionary, you should see a picture of Dan Campbell. This guy looks like – remember the old uh, uh, game when we were kids? Uh, uh, what was it? Like uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something? Like those robots that had like these square heads? You look at Dan Campbell's picture, and this guy just looks like a football player. He's rugged-looking as hell, and he's got this he, – he literally does. His head looks like it's square. It looks like if you hit him in the head, you would break your hand. <laughs> but anyway, a six-year deal, and uh, he's got his work cut out for him. Matt Patricia uh, lasted a little over two seasons. Went 13-29-1. They were 5-11 and last year. uh <laughs> They have one playoff win, one playoff win since 1957 when they won the NFL title. Think about that for a minute. You want to talk about futility. One playoff win since 57. So uh, Dan Campbell gets a a nice six-year deal. I hope he has more success than Matt Patricia did. But then again, uh, since 1957, there's nowhere to go but up. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. 47 minutes past the hour here on a Thursday morning. few minutes to go before we get out of here. Um, the Boston Celtics lost last night. So after getting off to a 7-3 and start, the Celtics have now dropped back-to-back games. Of course, they got drilled by the Knicks. Uh, by 30 on Sunday, they lose last night to the Philadelphia 76ers, 117-109. to 109. Um, Joel, Embi- Joel Embiid, a big game for the Sixers last night, 42 points. But the thing that is the most eye-opening about this game is the 76ers went to the line last night 45 times. The Celtics, 20 45 to 20. Joel Embiid went to the line more times himself than the entire Celtic team. Embiid was 17 of 21 from the foul line last night. The Celtics went 13 for 20 from the foul line themselves. Uh, That's, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, you can whine about the officials in a lot of games, but when you see a... A foul differential like that in Philadelphia's home court. By the way, you gotta go. Oh my God, I saw some of this game last night, and Joel Embiid. Uh, I'm gonna start calling him Greg Luganis because he flops a lot. He he dives a lot and gets away with it. Uh, now, Embiid's a great player. He's off to one of the best starts of his career. You know, I'm not trying to take anything away from how great a player he is, but 45 fouls to 20. Are you kidding me? Uh, Jalen Brown led the Celtics last night with 26. Marcus Smart had 25. Uh, Kemba Walker played about 20 minutes again last night, his second game back uh, since rehabbing from knee surgery. Still looking to find uh, the rhythm. 6 of 15 from the floor. Now, he was 5 of 9 from 3, which means he was 1 of 6 on shots that weren't 3, so just shoot more 3s, I guess. But, uh, yeah, the Celtics... Uh, just couldn't get themselves to the foul line last night, so they fall to the 76ers. Uh, the other game of note last night, uh, Kyrie Irving made his way back to the Brooklyn Nets lineup last night after missing the uh, previous number of games, and uh, they lost anyway. They lost to Cleveland in double overtime last night, 147-135. to 135. But here's the thing. If you look at this this Brooklyn lineup from last night, all right, And, you know, there's always been some concern about, is there going to be enough basketballs for all these guys? Uh, Irving took 28 shots last night. Durant took 25. Now, James Harden only took 14 shots last night, but James Harden had a triple-double. If he he is willing to sacrifice his scoring that much for this team, they're going to be really dangerous. I mean, last night, Harden had 21 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. He also had a couple of steals. Um, if Harden is willing to do that now, Harden's a guy in Houston that never saw a shot he didn't like, but last night he only took fourteen. But what what blew me away when I looked at this box score this morning? All right, they essentially played six guys. All the starters played, with the exception of DeAndre DeAndre Jordan, the center. He only played uh, twenty five minutes. But Green played 45, Durant played 50, Harden played 50, Irving played 48. The only other guy that got significant, Joe Harris, uh, filling in for Jordan, played 42 minutes last night. But then it's like they throw in a couple other guys for a few minutes here and there. But this is essentially a six, now maybe call it a seven-man rotation for Brooklyn. If they're going to continue to have that all year, might – My only concern, if I'm a Nets fan, is, look, these are all great players. My only concern would be whether or not they're going to be able to sustain that level of minutes and still have anything left in the tank come playoff time. But, you know, we'll see. But anyway, uh, uh, the Cavaliers win it. uh, Collins Sexton with 42 points last night on 16 of 29 shooting to leave the way for Cleveland. Cleveland outscored Brooklyn in the second overtime uh, 20-8. to So, all right, that's where we're at as far as the NBA goes. News came down. Tiger Woods had another surgery, his fifth surgery on his back. Now, it was supposedly just a minor one to relieve some pressure. When he played that father-son tournament with his uh, son, Charlie, the other last month, I guess he was feeling some uh, pain. So, they did a a fifth surgery. He's now had ten surgeries, five on his knee and five on his back. So, that does mean that he's going to miss the California swing for the PGA uh, tour, the earliest we will see him back would probably be Bay Hill. Uh, now, he skipped that the last couple of years, but Bay Hill and the Players' Championship would be probably one of the first two or one or two tournaments we'll see him in. Uh, and then he'll have like two other tournaments to kind of get the rust off before the Masters. So, look, he's 45 years old. I don't know whether he's ever going to win or not. The fact, look, most of us, if we had five surgeries on our back, we might not be getting out of our chairs. And yet he's worried about getting back on the PGA Tour. So, anyway. Uh, UConn women with a game coming up tonight. They will be at Tennessee. A very, very interesting game for this UConn team. Tennessee is 9-2. and two. Uh, They're ranked in the top ten in uh, women's basketball this year. UConn undefeated, but this is going to be – Probably their biggest test by far. Now, they lead the all-time series with Tennessee 14-9. to uh, They played last January. UConn won that one by 15. The game was in Hartford. They haven't actually played in Tennessee, I think, in, I want to say, 10 years. I could be wrong about that. But uh, anyway, so they will uh, play tonight. The game is at 7 o'clock. It's on ESPN. Uh, should be interesting. This is a very big Tennessee team. They're huge. They uh, don't have anybody. I think they have one player in their entire roster that's under six feet. Uh, but they've got – their front court is big. You know, 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, Olivia Nelson-Nedota is going to have her hands full tonight. The biggest challenge for her is going to be staying out of foul trouble. And if you're UConn, if you're going to win this game tonight, you have got to limit offensive rebounds against this big Tennessee team. So, uh, and Nelson Adota is going to have to box out like she's never boxed out before. The other thing to watch out for tonight is going to be interesting. Evina um, Westbrook making her first trip back to Tennessee since transferring from there a couple of years ago. So uh, one other quick note, uh, Alex Ovechkin has been placed on the NHL's COVID-19 list. And the Capitals as a team were fined $100,000 were violating the coronavirus protocols, uh, including a gathering in a hotel room. So, uh, you know, this is this is again this is why I, I say I worry about. You know, you've got NHL players that have all the money in the world, and you know their their livelihood depends on this, and yet they're stupid and, and have meetings and stuff, and you end up with people on the coronavirus list. And now, but we're worried about trying to play a high school season here and hoping the kids do the right thing. So I do worry about that. You know, this is after the NBA had another game postponed yesterday. The game between Memphis and Portland uh, had to be postponed because of contact tracing. It's the 16th game that's already been postponed in the NBA this year. So it's just, you know, it's such a moving target. Uh, By the way, we've gotten news. uh, Xavier High School... Uh, has given us to go-ahead to broadcast their games when they start in February. I also heard from Cromwell High School. We're going to be broadcasting the Cromwell uh, Boys and Girls games as well, um, and hopefully it's going to include Mercy High School. We're just waiting to hear back from them, but... Good news on that front. We will have high school basketball here on Sports Country Radio coming up here in a couple of weeks. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Dan Zampano will join us at 930, so I hope you can be here. We'll leave you this morning with some music from Garth Brooks. Now, he did a great rendition of Amazing Grace yesterday during the presidential inauguration, and uh, this is another Uh, this is an important song. I think, you know, he wrote this song a number of years ago, but this is one of those things with what's going on in our country right now. Uh, you have to get involved and you have to, uh, stand up for the country. And as Garth Brooks says here, you know, you, you, if you're going to live, you gotta, uh, you gotta get involved. This is Garth Brooks standing outside the fire. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the wake up call on sports country.